Hello. How are y'all doing? Y'all are weird. A little oddly riled. Um, so I have a few, uh, few different things. You just saw the announcement for Fall Fest. Many of you don't know what that is. We do not celebrate Halloween. Um, however, we do have some, uh, the people in the community do. And so what we like to do is we like to give them an alternative that is better than whatever else they're going to be doing. So um, I know that we've had, throughout the history of Life Church, we've had some people that have been like, nah, I really can't participate in that. We are trying to provide a better alternative for the darkness that is in the community. So um, what is Fall Fest, you may ask, and I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you now. Um, we do, we set up games, we have our inflatables outside, we set up like carnival type games that you're going to make <laughs> as you volunteer to make, and, uh, and, um, and we don't pay for them. Like, you make them and you pay for them. <laughs> Just to be clear, um, we give out Tons of candy to the kids that come and the adults that come, and it's, it's a really, really fun time. So, you know, the very first year we had it, um, it was, you know, COVID year in October of 2020, and um, we, it was like, the event was from six to eight, and we're like, we have no idea what to expect. And anybody, who was here for that? You remember that? Okay, so, so there's, it was like 10 minutes until it starts, 10 minutes till six, and there's no one there except for our people. And I'm like, well, Lord, you know, just a few people drive by and see, then, you know, we did our job and, and great, we're fine. 600 people came. 600, and I'm not one of those pastors that says, well, there was 10,000 people at service and there was actually like six. So I'm not that type of pastor. Like I'm underestimating 600. There were people from all over, just they just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And it was, it was really, really great. So we're going to extend this to the community. We're going to say, hey, come out, get some candy, um, have a fun, a fun time on Halloween night, and, uh, and it's going to be really, really good. So please uh, come to the meeting. It's at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, and it's here in this building. So please come to the meeting so you can figure out what your part is in this, okay? All of you have a part. Okay, just to be clear. Okay, so let's do the culture update. All right. Is that me? Was I doing that? So tomorrow evening, the city council's having a meeting, and it is at 550 Landis Street. Everybody say 550 Landis Street. 6 p.m. I know you all have heard now. So I, you're, listen, if you want to be inside, you're going to need to get there early, okay? So, or whatever Mo says. Um, so the, this seems like an, an obvious thing for us, as those of us with brains. However, the government, they, the government is, is overstepping what they should be doing and what they, they have the right to be doing. A, a logical thing for us would be to say, keep thing, adult things out of children's hands. Just logical to say that. 
There are books in the library in the teens and kids sections that should not be there. They're perverted for adults, but they have them in the children's section because perverted adults wrote these books for children to indoctrinate them and to awaken things in them so that, so that they can have an influence on them and make it seem normal. It is not normal, okay? So um, what we need to do is we need to show up in force at the city council meeting tomorrow at what time? Early. And it's early. And it's at 550 Lana Street. Um, I want to be really clear. This is not suppression of freedom of speech. If perverts want to write perverted things, they have the right to do that. However, I would not allow a pervert to say things to my children. And we should not allow that in our community either. Freedom of speech does not mean that anyone should say anything at any time. That means there's a, they, there's a right time and a right place for things. There's an okay time and an okay. And it, it is not a, appropriate to hand children or to make available to children books that should, they should not see. Those things are, it's completely out of hand. And our government needs to understand that they are not in charge of our children. We are not raising children. We are raising our own children. The government is not raising our children. So they need to understand where they overstep parental rights, they need to be put in their place. Okay, and so, and that's what's happening in our libraries. You would think it would be so simple. Hey, a child should not have this thing. Let's move it to the adult section. We're not trying to throw it in the trash. We're just going to put it in the adult section. That seems logical. But the librarian's like, nope, that's where we're putting it. And so, the, and yeah, we're paying them. So, and, and, and then we say, okay, well, we'll just tell your boss. So we tell their boss, and they're like, well, we're going to let them make that decision. No, we're not. We're making the decision. We're your boss. We're going to make that decision. So we're going to go, and we're going to be nice. <laughs> we're going to say what we need to say. There will be people um, on the other side that will be there, and it's fine. They, they have a freedom of speech as well. Um, <laughs> so there's a, uh, there's a, a verse uh, in the Song of Solomon, and it says, Do not or awaken or arouse love until it's time. Awakening and arousing love, or these sexual thoughts in children, is extremely dangerous because this is what happens in the spiritual side. We know that there are spirits at work to distract and to destroy, especially our children. They're trying to indoctrinate our children at a very young age. And so in the spiritual side, whenever that love is awakened before the time is right, then an evil spirit comes in and attaches itself to the child, and the child deals with pornography for the rest of their lives. That's what that looks like. So we have to say, no, 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 we're going to take a stand. It is not up to... Uh, teachers, it's not up to librarians, it's not up to city council members when the time is right and when the time is appropriate for our children. It is up to parents of when the time is right to have those conversations with their children. And so we're going to go and we're going to make our voice heard at the city council meeting. Please, please, please join us. I'm not asking you to go up there and give a speech. I'm asking you to, to get your body there, okay? We don't need your mouth, we just need your body. Okay, just come up there. It's a, and some of y'all going to mouth off anyway. Just come up there and just stand there with us so we can, we can show uh, that w- there are more that are for us than are for them. 
And that in the spiritual realm as well. There are more that are for us than are for them. Okay? Y'all ready? So, take a breath. Previously on the Gospel of John. We are in the 68th um, message of the Gospel of John. We're on the Thursday night of Jesus last week, and uh, this is the night before his death. I have to warn you before we even start, this sermon is not for everyone here. Um, This sermon is for people who are uh, striving to be disciples of, of Jesus. So there are, in, in America, we have Christians. Christians are people who have their get out of hell free card and they are just trying to get by. I'm just trying to make it to the end. And, and they're not trying to pursue godly things. They're not trying to pursue holiness. They're not trying to lay down every bit of who they are and pursue the things that God has for them. But for those of you that, and I believe there are many of you who fall under the umbrella of disciple, I'm talking to you. This is going to be uncomfortable for you at times, okay? Is that okay? I don't care. Okay. We're going to do it anyway. I already made the slides. Okay. So John 15, uh, 26. But when the helper comes, who, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The word for helper is parakletos. Parakletos. Not parakeet. Parakletos. Everybody say parakletos. parakletos. It's fun to say, right? Like Francisco. It's fun to say. It's beautiful. So... Parakletos means one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, counsel for defense, legal assistant, and advocate. Jesus has been talking about, he's been really trying to motivate his disciples. He's not talking to Christian, he's talking to disciple. Disciple is more than a Christian. A disciple is someone who's laying down everything to follow Jesus. These disciples that he's talking to, all of them are going to die because of what they believe. All of them are going to to have to stand up in the face of adversity when death was certain. And they're going to have to stand up and speak the truth even, even up to death. So uh, he's, he's given these motivational speeches like, you know, it's just really trying to build them up. Like the world's going to hate you and you're going to die. Don't you feel motivated? Like, yes, sign me up for that. Like, I'll have some of that, please. It's, it's, this is not the kind of thing to, to draw a crowd. This is not the kind of thing that, that Jesus would say that like, people are going to be all about it. He's, he's just warning them. We have a helper who is also the sender. Because he is the helper that's also the sender, that means that we will know exactly what we're supposed to do and we will know it exactly the moment that we need to know it. Have you ever been talking to someone about the Lord, and then you start saying things, and you're like, where did that come from? And then later, you're like, oh, man, you're telling somebody the story, and you're like, and then I told them, and you can't, you don't have any idea what you told them. You're like, how did that happen? That was the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Sometimes you'll start a sentence and you're like, like Michael Scott, never under any circumstances, ever, no matter what, ever. And you start a sentence and you have no idea where that sentence is going, but somehow the Holy Spirit takes your stupid mouth and makes you say something that is eternal truth because he is so good. 
And the Holy Spirit, the one that sends you, is the one that equips you. And it's absolutely phenomenal, right? Some of you don't... Hey, real quick. Um, on the announcements, I meant to say this. There was a song that played in the beginning part of the announcements. Okay, no, 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 say anything. Don't say anything. Raise your hand if you have no idea what that song was. Larry, the, it was the intro to Cheers, for those of you that don't know. Cheers was a television show that many of you are not old enough to have ever seen. So, weirdos. I remember when GPS came out for vehicles. Look, I had, a, I had a rich friend, okay? And he had a GPS that you plug, you plug it into the cigarette. Light. Did y'all know in cars? Some of you don't know this, okay? Some of you do, but most of you know this. Some of you didn't know this. That little circle thing is a cigarette lighter. Like you push it in and... It's because back in the day, they were like, I need to drive, but I also need to smoke. How can I do both of these? This is too hard to do while I'm driving. If only there was just a button I could push that could help me light my cigarettes while I'm driving. And so they made the cigarette lighter. You push it in, it pops out when it's ready. Kids, don't do this. And then it pops out, and then you can light your cigarette with it. Isn't that great? So... (laughs) I don't know what we were thinking. So anyway, the GPS, the GPS, wonderful, wonderful invention. You put this GPS on your dash, you plug it in, and it, would, it did this amazing thing. I, I remember just being totally blown away. If you make a wrong turn, first of all, it tells you how to get to point B, and it tells you exactly how, and it tells you when to turn before you have to turn, and then it tells you when you're supposed to turn, and then it tells you, hey, you missed your turn. And then it'll, it'll do this thing. It's like recalculating route. And then it, and then it recalculates your route. Th- this to me was like, it always gets you where you're supposed to be. It's just, it was outstanding. It was phenomenal. And so I remember thinking as a young Christian, this is what it means to be led by the Lord. This is awesome. He tells you what to do, and then you do that thing. And then if, you, if he tells you what to do and you don't do that thing, he recalculates your route. This is amazing. This must be what it means to be a Christian. And for the longest time, I was like, that's, that's it. That's what it means to be a Christian. I want to talk to you about the difference in being a Christian and being a disciple, And this part's not for everyone. I just need to warn you again. Some of you can just check out now because you're not trying to be a disciple. You're just trying to get by. You're just trying to be a Christian. I have another friend that is wealthy that has a Tesla. Have you ever driven a Tesla? If you have never driven a Tesla, let me tell you you're missing out. You know how when you have a drill and you pull the trigger down on the drill, it's like instantly at full speed? That's what Teslas do. I got in it and my friend's like, hey, Go ahead, uh, take off. And so I, I kind of ease on. It doesn't, you don't, there's no transmission. So it doesn't go, dun, dun, dun. it just goes, dun, like, full. so he's like, no, 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 no. Listen, I said, I said, go fast. And I'm like, okay, I'm going fast. He's like, no, put your foot all the way to the floor. And so I'm like, okay, okay. It's like, it can, you can hurt yourself. So, 
But the most amazing thing about the Tesla was the self-driving mode. So he says, look, this is how you put it in self-driving mode. We put it in the self-driving mode, and then I'm sitting there with my hands over the steering wheel, like... And he's like, calm down, bro. Just let it drive. It's cool. Just let it do its thing. And I'm like, no. Like, I'm, I'm worried that it's going to go, like, it's going to run off track, or I'm worried that a cat's going to run in front of me, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to swerve into it. Or... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would never kill a cat, though cats are terrible. So, and so I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I'm like, what? Well, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm worried that it's going to go off track. So um, he's like, listen, I, he literally, he drives an hour to work every day. He's like, I watch Netflix. I don't pay attention to what's happening on the road. I just drive. Like the car drives itself. I just get back there and I, I don't have to worry about the brake or the gas or the, or the steering wheel. I just, I just, I watch TV. And, I, and at first, I was like, name, no way. It took me like four minutes to change my tune because that thing was amazing, amazing. It was, it was exhilarating, and it was terrifying at the exact same time. When you're a disciple, you don't wake up in the morning and, and have your prayer time and say, okay, Lord, Please lead me today. Tell me what to do, and I will do that thing. All I want you to do, Lord, is tell me what to do. Christians do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm telling you is when you're a disciple, he is leading. You don't have to ask him to lead. He is leading. He's the one that's in control. There's a difference in the GPS telling you what to do and then you doing it and him being in control. You don't sit with your hands over the steering wheel in case he takes you somewhere you're not really sure you want to go. You trust that wherever he takes you, that's where you're supposed to go. You don't have to hold on and be like, and look at us Christians being here. Look at us disciples with our hands right over the steering wheel just in case the Lord does something I don't want him to do. I'm going to go ahead and take that steering wheel back. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cruise on over here where I know I'm not supposed to go, where he's not leading me, and I'm going to do this thing. If we are to be disciples, we have to let go of control. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and the only way that they were able to make it to the end and make it well is that they gave up control. And they were led and filled and driven by the Holy Spirit. And that's what it means to completely trust the Lord, that you can watch Netflix while he's driving. <laughs> like, you can, you can not be concerned. It's, it's exhilarating and terrifying because, it's exhilarating because you're like, I'm tired of making all these decisions. I just trust you, Lord. You make the decisions. Take us where we need to go. I'll, I, whatever it is that's on my heart to do, I will do that thing, Lord. It's terrifying because sometimes those things are scary, scary, scary things to do. Sometimes he tells you to like, go talk to your boss about the Lord. Go invite your boss to church. That could be bad. I might get fired. Do you know how many times people have been fired for inviting their boss to church? Maybe some, I don't know, but probably not often. 
the Holy Spirit, he is help in difficult times. And, and it's at this point of Jesus' motivational speech of words of encouragement that he, he keeps reminding them that they're going to have a helper as well. That he's not just sending them out, but he's going to send them out with this helper. Last week, we talked about what it looks like when to, to receive that help in the face of persecution. He said, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. It is the Lord being glorified because of the way that you live your life and the things that you say to people. Is the Lord being glorified? For, for many of you, I believe that, that, yes, that is happening. People are glorifying the Lord because they know that apart from him, I'm a knucklehead. But with him, I am everything he's called me to be. If we look at what that looks like to be led by the Holy Spirit all the way to the end, we can look at the first martyr named Stephen. And when he's arrested, he ended up preaching in the Sanhedrin, preaching about Jesus in the Sanhedrin. And they got mad and they wanted to kill him. This is what it says in Acts 7. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Does y'all know what that means? Anyone? Do y'all know what gnashing? Like they take their teeth out and throw them at him? What? What, what is gnashing them? It's like, That's going to be a good clip. They gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. When they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. What do you know about Saul? Saul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Saul, this guy who was giving his stamp of approval for killing this Christian, Saul is going to become the leader of the church. Saul is going to become the, the most, probably the most famous follower of Jesus that ever existed. This is Saul. So you think, I could never, I'm not qualified to be, how many Christians have you murdered? Please say none. <laughs> how many people have you persecuted? God can use you. And, and no matter how bad your life has been up to this point, God can use you. I promise you, and he wants to use you. So uh, they, at the young man named, named Saul, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, and this is what it looks like to live by the Holy Spirit all the way to the end. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. How many times have you asked the Lord to hold other people's sin against them? A lot, a lot. How many times have you asked the Lord to hold your sin against you? We don't do that. No, no, no. I don't deserve that. Lord, you know my heart was in the right place. No, it wasn't. Now you lied and you sinned. We want other people to be held accountable. And Stephen was like, Lord, don't hold them accountable for this. Because he wanted them to be saved as well. That's tough, right? That's what it looks like to be a disciple. 
And so the wages of sin is death. We know that. Death is coming to all. We don't have to pay the penalty for our sin because of Jesus. We don't want others to have to pay the penalty for their sins because we want to introduce them to Jesus. Right? So he says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father. This is what I think that looks like. So Jesus is ascending into heaven. And the Holy Spirit is coming down from heaven. And they're like, what's up, what's up? As they fly by each other. (laughs) That's just what I imagine it being like. So Jesus sends the Holy Spirit when he goes. And and it says that spirit is the spirit of truth. Truth is aletheia. And aletheia is what is true in any matter under any consideration. What is true is true. And that openness of mind, that truth, is free from any charade, any falsehood, any deceit. It is absolutely and always true. And those are the kinds of people that we should be, is truthful people. When the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, He will do a work of truth in you. I am willing to bet that there are areas of your life that you have trouble being truthful with yourself, much less with others. When the Holy Spirit is working in your life, He is speaking truth even to you. We are people of truth. People are constantly coming up with new, new truths. And I say new because there's nothing new under the sun. There's, people come up with these new truths and these new, these new theologies and these new ideas about God. And we have a way to find out if those things truly are true. And the way we do that is we look and see, is, is this consistent with what the Bible says? Whenever, because we have the eternal, truthful, holy word of God that is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is unbelievable how great the Bible is. And we can compare everything that anyone says to what the Bible says. Whenever, um, whenever somebody says, hey, have you heard of the prophet blah, blah, blah? And it's somebody in our modern culture that is a prophet. I have a hard time following what prophets, people that are prophets say, because I, I want to know the fruit of that person's life so that I can trust that what they're saying is true. So, uh, so whenever pe- people are prophesying, people in, in general in our culture are prophesying, I take a step back and I wait and I say, okay, if their prophecies come true, then maybe there's some truth here. And if their prophecies don't come true, wasn't the Lord. The Lord doesn't make mistakes, Right? So we, we compare everything to the Bible to find out if it's true. There's this thing that, that a lot of us have been studying. It's called the Divine Council Worldview. And it's, it's from a book called The Unseen Realm by Dr. Michael Heiser. It's, uh, just read Genesis chapter 6, and, uh, and there's a lot of things in there. Y'all have heard me kind of alluding to it, but I would like for you to do some research. As soon as I heard this, uh, I was like, nah, I don't know about that. God's... I don't know about that. There's only one God. There is only one God Almighty, God over all gods. There are many gods, lowercase g, small gods, Elohim. And that may seem to you like polytheism. It is not. So I started doing research on this, and I started studying the Bible to see. And what happened very quickly is I was, my mind was blown. And I was like, holy moly. And I, like somebody sneaking in here 
and like putting extra stuff in my Bible that wasn't there before. Guys, I have read the Bible a bunch of times, end to end. I've read the entire Bible a whole bunch of times. And there are things that I'm reading now in the Bible that I'm like, how? How was this here the whole time? How did I not see this? And now I'm seeing it everywhere. Whenever something happens that you, you study and you find out, wait a minute, this is the truth of the word of God. You have to change. The Bible doesn't change. You have to change. So you have to change the way you see that. And as times are darkening, as, as our culture is getting darker and darker, we, uh, what I'm seeing in the church, even in America, but the church, the, the church of Jesus Christ in the world, a lot of people are waking up to the, to the realities in, in the spiritual realm. And I believe that is happening because we are headed toward a time of great tribulation. And it's going to be very, very difficult for us to make it through. So we're going to have to be people that see things for what they actually are. Not for what people tell us they are, but for what the Bible tells us it is. And I'm seeing this everywhere I'm reading. Listen, Unseen Realm, Dr. Michael Heiser, I promise you, your mind will be blown. So he says in in John 4, God, get ready, because you're going to read the last word out loud. I'm just warning you, because you always miss it. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. truth. We worship in truth. People may claim to get these new truths about God, but if those truths don't, truths don't match the scriptures, then those, are idea, those ideas are not from the Holy Spirit. When people start talking about God, pay attention to what they say, because what you think about God is the most important thing about you. What, the, what you believe about God is the most important things about what you believe. If people believe things that are not true about God, they will never arrive to God. They will never be able to get there. So we have to make sure that we know the truth. So you say, well, I just don't know the Bible that well. I've said this a million times. Know the Bible well. Well, I, don't, I just don't know it. Okay, you can have a free one and you can take it home and you can read it every day. And then you know when you'll get to the spot where you'll be like, I know the Bible well. Never. You'll never get there. It doesn't matter. You can say, like, if you're really arrogant, you can be like, I know the Bible really well. <laughs> Margaret, I know the Bible really well. Like, you don't know the Bible well because the next time you read it, it's going to be different than last time because the Bible, I'm just making this up at the top of the dome. Now, the Bible is living and active. That word of God is alive and it will speak to you today something different than it spoke to you yesterday because it is alive. So we need to be people that are looking for the truth in me. If the spirit is at work in me, then he will be doing a work of truth in me. I will be someone that oozes of honesty. We won't be people that are telling lies. As a matter of fact, if we tell a lie or we try to get away with something, then we will be very uncomfortable. I can tell you this, whenever I tell a lie, it eats me up until I correct it. As a matter of fact, I am really, really bad at getting away with stuff because I am the worst liar ever. Jessica, she can look at me. I can be on the phone with her, okay, and say, hey, I only ate one banana. And she'll be like, no, you didn't. You ate two. I can tell. I can hear it in your voice. 
I'm the worst. Like, I, can't, I don't understand how people have illicit relationships because I can't get away with eating two bananas, okay? And people have whole relationships and they get away with it. I don't know how. We have to be people that are just really bad at getting away with stuff, so bad at getting away with stuff that we just stop trying because we're honest. In Ephesians 4, he says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We should be people that are full of integrity. Integrity is that you actually are the, are the, the person that people think you are. Almost all of you know that I owned a Chick-fil-A. And when I was 17 years old, I was working at Chick-fil-A, and I, through these, this crazy string of events, I was selected to go to a training at Chick-fil-A home office in Atlanta, Georgia. You know how companies say they're Christian companies, but then, like, you, you look behind the curtain, and you're like, yeah, I ain't Christians. Like, you know, and then they're not really Christians. They're, they're terrible people, and they're not. So uh, I'm always skeptical. So I'm, even at 17, which I did not know the Lord at 17. I wasn't even close to knowing the Lord at 17. But I knew that these people said they were Christians. And so we, we were touring the home office, and we get to go into the founder. His name is Truett Kathy. We get to go into his office, and he wasn't in there. So there's like 12 of us, and we're, we're touring, and there, he had this like giant ivory tusk that was at his, at his doorway, and it was like had all these carvings in it, and I was like, ah, that's really cool. And so I stopped to look at it, and the whole class goes in, and then I'm, I'm just looking at it, and everybody's in there over there talking. I didn't care. I don't pay attention. I don't know if y'all know this, but I don't pay attention. So, um, so I'm looking, and then he comes up behind me, true Kathy, and he taps me on the shoulder and says, come on. And I'm like, am I in trouble? <laughs> I used to get in trouble. <laughs> and so he makes me sit in his chair at his desk. And I'm like, so just so y'all know, for one second, I was the CEO of a billion-dollar company. <laughs> I was sitting at the desk, and it was great. It was so cool. And so as we're, as we're sitting, he's, he's talking, and, and, and I said, hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? You know, because all Christians have a favorite Bible verse, right? Yeah. yeah, what's your favorite Bible verse? I love them all. Okay. <laughs> liar. I asked him what his favorite Bible verse, and he says, Proverbs 22.1, a good name is more desirable than great riches. Favor is better than silver and gold. You know how you get a good name? Integrity. Yeah. Only integrity. That when nobody else is around, you're doing the right thing. When nobody else could possibly, under any circumstances, find out that you, you didn't do that thing all the way or you didn't do the right thing, there's no way for anybody to find out you still did the right thing anyway. You still did your burpees all the way down, chest and hips to the floor, <laughs> hands over your head and clap at the top like you didn't cheat it, even though nobody would have known, right? That's what integrity is. In integrity is this. I saw this bumper sticker. Lord, help me to be the person my dog thinks I am. Because dogs are good. It's cats that are evil, okay? So do we have integrity? And now I'm asking specifically for Life Church. Do we have integrity? We wrote on our door, welcome. Are people welcome when they come in here? I believe that, I believe that Agnes would feel welcome in our church. If you don't know who Agnes is, listen to last week's message. I believe that a prostitute could walk through our door and feel welcome. 
I believe that a homeless person could walk through our door and feel welcome. I believe that a millionaire could walk through our door and feel welcome. I believe that a gangbanger, a drug dealer, I believe that the worst of society could walk through our door and feel welcome. Do you believe that everyone could walk through, anyone could walk through our door and feel welcome? I'm not 100% sure if that's true. And you're going to laugh when I tell you who I think wouldn't feel welcome, but I'm not joking. I wonder if someone who was a hardcore liberal would feel welcome. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Is that a problem? Yeah, I think it is a problem. I think it's a problem. I think that we should be welcome. Do we have integrity? Is that welcome that's on the door? Is that true for everyone? So I have often struggled with, we have this it factor that's going on in our church. And it's really hard to describe it. It's hard for us to know what it is. And you know how, if you've invited someone to our church, then you know exactly what the issue is. Like, come to our church because it's cool. It's like you have, you have a really hard time describing what it is, what it is. You have a really hard time describing how to get people to come because there's something special, there's something supernatural, there's something great that's happening here, and it's really hard for us to put words on it and say, and say what it is. We're like, look, if you can just come one time, it's like crack, just one time, okay? Just one time, and you just please just come one time, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. It's wonderful. It's, it's great. It's happy. It's good. It's like you, you get, it's dumber and dumber the more you try to describe it. So um, I, I had this friend named Steve, and Steve used to go to church with us at our home church. Our home church and this church, identical in the way that we do ministry. Very, very, very similar. The same thing that, that is going on here is going on there. It's the exact same thing. And so um, I hadn't thought about Steve in 10 years. Never even crossed my mind one time in the last 10 years. And I woke up the other day, and I was thinking, I wonder how Steve's doing. The Lord put him on my heart. So I'm like, when the Lord puts someone random on your heart, seek that person out. Pray for that person. Find out what that's about, um, because that person may need to hear your voice. So, um, so I went on Facebook, and I found, it, found out who, who, um, how he's doing. And uh, I wasn't even sure if it was him, because he didn't have pictures. And, and so... We ended up uh, reconnecting and, and talking about how our lives were going. And I told him we started a church here and he was so happy. And he's like, man, that's great. And then I, wanna, I just want to share what he wrote because he articulated what it is. And I was just, I'm so blown away by it. So he said, Life Church was the best church we ever attended. We missed you guys a lot when we moved. Life was different than any church we've ever been to. You guys are very intentional about loving one another. That's unfortunately not the case in, uh, in other evangelical churches, churches that we've been a part of. Jesus said they'd know we are his by how we love one another. Life Church is the only church we've ever been to that really took that to heart. I remember listening to a message from Francis Chan when he said that he, he helped to lead a church that grew to thousands, but after all that growth, he felt like a failure as a pastor because as a church, they didn't love well. And when he said that, I immediately realized uh, what was different about Life Church. They love well. 
Hey, it's, that's the id factor, guys. We love will. It's not the only thing, but it's a really big part. We don't just love each other well. We love others well, the ones that are outside the walls of the church. And when they come inside the walls of the church, we love them well. I hope that we would continue to love people well. Y'all are really good at making people feel welcome on their first week. Not so good on second week. Okay? Why don't you make a connection with people? The second week, too. One of the great things about uh, how we are is that masks are unnecessary. And I don't mean the, the muzzle the government's trying to put on you. I mean the masks where we, we pretend. When we're failing, what we tend to do is we, we admit that we're struggling and we find the people because every one of us should be connected with a few others of us. When you look at a safety net, the more connections that a safety net has, the safer that net is. It's harder for things to fall through when they have a bunch of connections. So as the safety net of, of our lives in Christ works, of, of the church works, it works when we have connections with a lot of people. So if you have very few connections and you're, you only have one connection, and it's just a string, you're, that's not a net. That's just, that's nothing. You're gonna, it's going to cut you in half when you fall. Okay, so you don't want that. You have to have as many connections as possible. Please make connections. Some of that is on you if you have no connections. Some of it is on other people. Maybe don't come in after worship. I'm trying to look down because I don't want anybody to think I'm talking specifically to them (laughs) because I'm thinking of several people that are in the room now. Don't come in after worship starts and leave right when, when I say amen and wonder why nobody knows you. If you don't know, we (laughs) hang out a little bit after church and we talk to each other. And I promise you, if you just stand there looking like a doofus, somebody will walk up to you and talk to you. Okay? So just stand there. And look weird. And they'll talk to you. Okay? Okay. That's for everyone in the room. Okay? I really want us to be connected supernaturally. Um, I know we have, we have people here. I, really, I think it's just one guy, and he's not here right now, so I can say this. But um, he says, I don't really like worship music. I'm like, bro, you're going to hate heaven. <laughs> it's not going to be fun for you. If you don't like anyone here you are going to really hate heaven because it's full of people like y'all. And you might as well get to know them now because you're going to be hanging out with them for all eternity. And it's going to be so much fun. Not only when things are going bad, like we, we, sometimes we, we just have to face the consequences. Whenever you're struggling with a thing, go and talk to somebody that you've already made connections with. Everyone should have people that they can talk. Uh, talk. Talk to the appropriate people. Don't go tell a stranger about your deepest, darkest secret. Don't, like it's their first time and you're like uh, unloading your life story. Please don't do that. They're never coming back if you do that. So, but 
You should have people you can, you can confide in, that you, can, that you have confidence that they're going to be able to help you to grow and, and to get back on track. So please do that. Not only when things are going bad, but when things to be, appear to be going really well, you need to stay humble and understand what you are apart from Jesus. I say this all the time. I know what I am apart from Jesus. I ain't never fronting. I'm never up here saying, sorry. I'm never pretending to be something I am not. Some of y'all don't, not from the street like me, okay? So, so like, I, I'm, I am what I am, like, and, and I, like, it's like Popeye now in my brain. Like, I, 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 I'm the same guy everywhere I am. If I'm playing basketball, I am the same guy as I am standing right here on the stage. I'm the same guy, for better or worse, or worse, or worse, or worse. It's worse. I promise it's worse. And so, um, but what I have is I have people around me, I have fr- friends around me that keep me grounded, okay? They make sure that my head doesn't get big. Even though I don't struggle, I honestly, I don't struggle with ego. If you don't know me and you just kind of listen to me preach a couple of times, you probably think, man, that guy's got such an ego. It's because I'm funny and you think that people <laughs> with ego, it's, see, look, I don't even have to try, okay? I, I really am, I, I am humble. I'm not saying that because I'm like, trust me, I'm humble. Okay? I, I, I don't think that when people say, life church is great, I can't believe you're doing this. I'm like, I ain't doing nothing. Like, I am literally messing it up. God is doing this in spite of what I'm doing. Like, I, I don't know how he does it. He is just amazing that he can use a donkey to speak to you. Okay, uh, God is awesome. So, listen, the other day, we're on a par five, okay? And I hit this drive. It was unbelievably great, okay? I smoked it right down the fairway. It was, and I'm not, you're going to think I'm not humble as soon as I tell you this, okay? It was 330 yards in the middle of the fairway. I was, we're on a par five, and I'm like, this, that was great. So I drive up to it, and I'm with Todd and a, the, my other pastor friend, who is a friend, my other pastor friend, and and so I'm like, guys, I'm, you can the carts have GPS. GPS is getting us all over everywhere. Okay, carts have G- and so I can see how far that drive was. I'm like, guys, that drive was 330 yards. What's up? And they were like, well, it's downhill, <laughs> and the wind is blowing. You feel the wind, right? I'm like, guys, can you just celebrate with the brother? Okay. <laughs> It's 330 yards. That's a nice drive. And they're like, no, no, no. It was because the wind and the downhill and everything. And I'm like, okay, we'll just, can you drive back to your ball and hit your second shot or your third shot so that I can hit mine and you can finally catch up? Because they were way back there, like way back. So when y'all see Todd, ask him what's wrong with his driver. Okay, so. So anyway, the, you, we stay humble. Okay? We stay humble because we trust that the good things are given to us by God. Every good thing is given to us by God. It's not because we're so great. Um, in Proverbs 10, 9, he says, He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who, per- he who perverts his ways will become known. So whenever you're a real Christian or what I call disciples, you don't have to worry about people finding stuff out about you. If I come to you and I say, hey, can we talk? You're not like, uh-oh, he knows. The Holy Spirit told him. He knows. Like, if you are someone with integrity, 
you're not worried about somebody finding something out. You, you, you know, like you, you already confessed the things. There's nothing hidden. Like, I'm not worried that any of you are going to find out anything about any part of my past. I, I'm not worried about it at all. I, you can search my browser history. I don't care. You're going to think I'm weird, <laughs> but you're not going to find sin in there, okay? You're going to be like, why did he spend so much time looking up lizard people? What is that even? Why is he spending so much time on 9-11? Conspiracies, okay? I live with a clear conscience, and there's nothing like, can you imagine how good it would feel if your boss says, hey, can you come into my office? And you come in, and he says, shut the door behind you. You're like, see, you're like, oh, no. If my boss, I don't have a boss, but if my boss said that to me, I'd be like, I'm getting a raise. Because I ain't worried about him finding out what I was doing when no one was looking. Because I have integrity. Like I, and, I, and I operate with integrity. I'm not telling you I nail it every time. I don't. But for me, whenever, I do, whenever I'm putting the cones out, this is the dumbest thing, okay? Whenever I'm putting the cones out over here, there's five cones. There's three that go in the front, and there's two that go way over here on the road. Sometimes I'll grab three cones because I don't want to walk all the way over to the road. All the way 50 feet over to the road. So sometimes I'll just grab three cones and I'll just put the three cones out right in front of the door and I won't take the other two cones because somebody else will do it. And as soon as I think that, I'm like, you are such a dodo. And I come in and get the other two cones and I do the walk of shame with those cones. I'm like, oh, I should have brought the cones the first time. I have to be a, a person of integrity and I'm not being a person of integrity for you. I'm being a person of integrity because I love Jesus and I want to please him with every part of my life. And that should be your motivation as well. So he says uh, that he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit will testify. The word is martureo, martureo. And martureo means that uh, to be a witness and to give, not to keep back, but to give testimony, to speak, constantly to speak, martureo. Some churches will give you the impression that they are a church where the Holy Spirit is moving and they'll have, and I look, I'm not bashing any churches, okay? But sometimes it can look like the Holy Spirit is doing some great work because they have all these lights and they have smoke and they have lasers and they have flag dancers and they have like, and I'm not saying those things are bad. Those things aren't bad, but Sometimes those things can give the appearance that the Holy Spirit is doing something because the spotlight is on the worship leader and the spotlight should be on what the Holy Spirit is doing. The spotlight should be on Jesus and drawing people to Jesus because the Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus. If you, if you come away from one of our services, you're walking out, you get in the car, and you think, man, I love Jesus more than I did before I came Man, we nailed it. Like, we got it. We did it that day. If you walk out of here and you think, man, that pastor's great. I have failed. I'm trying so hard not to be great. I'm trying so hard that, that when you look at me, you just see the Holy Spirit. You see Jesus. That's all I want. I don't want you to... I've, I've used this illustration before. I'm like a straw. 
like, uh, like a, a straw where I'm just passing through what the Lord's giving. I'm, there's, when you take a sip of something that's really good, like you get one of those cold coffees that, that are like full of sugar and really healthy things for you, and you take a sip, it's really hot, and you take a sip, like, mm, this is the best straw I've ever had. This straw is so good. This straw did the best job of delivering that sweet coffee goodness to me. You don't give a single thought to the straw, not one, because the straw is just there to pass something through. That's what I want more than anything, that you don't see me at all. Straws are for suckers, okay? I'm waiting because I've been told sometimes it takes some people longer. (laughs) Look, straws are nothing. Straws are nothing. They just pass through. I'm uh, I'm not up here doing some great work. I'm just doing what I have to do. I'm delivering what the Lord has given me to deliver to you. I'm trying to point you to Jesus. That's all I want to do is point you to Jesus. And I am so blessed and excited to be able to do that. I feel so honored that you listen to me do this like as i'm up here like the tasmanian devil and y'all are like amen i didn't say nothing like that was the holy spirit speaking to you and it's wonderful so it goes on in verse 27 this is the that all that was one verse just so you know here's the second verse for the day and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is talking to his 11 remaining disciples and he's giving them this extra special command to be witnesses of all that's happened while Jesus was alive on earth, that the things that they had actually seen. Because the Gospels are stories about eyewitnesses, from eyewitnesses. Now, I've said this a bunch, but I'm going to say it again. The Bible was written for us. The Bi- no, yeah, the Bible was written for us, but not to us. The Bible was written to people who also would have been seen these eyewitnesses. So we have to read the Bible in context. Whenever we read a parable, you know, I could take a parable, any parable, pick a parable, and I can give you a dozen lessons from that parable that have nothing to do with what Jesus meant that parable to be. But I can take it and twist it and turn it and and reshape it and make it into something that Jesus wasn't even trying to say. Don't do that with parables. When he uses a parable, a lot of times later, he'll tell the disciples, well, this is what I meant by that. And he explains exactly what he meant by that. He didn't mean the other things that we like to turn in the parables into. So what we have to do is read it in context. And what, what was he saying to those people? These eyewitnesses knew exactly what it meant. And for, in Second Peter, it says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You, my friend should be an eyewitness to the majesty of what Jesus has done in your life. You worry about testifying because you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell people about Jesus because I don't know how to answer all their questions. When he says that you will, you will bear witness, it's the exact same word, martyreo, of, of testifying. You are testifying. You're bearing witness. You're telling people what he has done in your life. 
You don't have to know. You don't have to be able to explain evolution to people and how that works. You don't have to be able to explain every single small thing in the Bible. You can literally get to the spot where you're like, I don't know. You know what I do know? He's real. And I know that for sure. When the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, he will continue to do what he always does, and that is point you to Jesus. And as you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, he does this thing where he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus promises that if we yield to the work of the Spirit in our lives, the Spirit would give us power. He will literally give us the ability to be his witnesses. You're worried about knowing all the right things to say and making sure you say it the right way. Whenever... Uh, this happens a lot to me. People will come, they'll bring their friend to church and then their friend will, the, the Holy Spirit will move on their heart and then they'll, they'll bring that friend over and they'll say, hey, this person wants to accept Jesus. And I'll be like, why are you telling me? Do you think I have some special power to like, I knight thee. You are now a Christian. Congratulations. I tell them every time, wait, you've, you've prayed to receive Jesus before, right? Yes. Okay, well, pray with your friend in the same way. I don't know how to do that. Well, wait a minute. Did you do it? Yeah. Do the same thing. Because obviously it's working. You're being a good witness. So do the same thing. You be a witness and as you go, you'll receive power. You won't receive power before. You'll receive power when you go. And you'll receive that, that power to do all of the things that he's called you to do. So if you're not receiving power, why do you think that is? It is because you are stubborn. Not me, just you are stubborn. We are so, like we, we sit there with our hands over the wheel to grab it just in case. Just in case. What if, what if we start to go off the road? If he is in control and you go off the road, that's where you're supposed to go. Sometimes you have to go off the reservation in order to find those people and drag those people back. Sometimes you sit in a diner in Hawaii in Waikiki at 3.30 in the morning and you bring a prostitute to Jesus. Sometimes it's, it's this thing that, that seems completely illogical. The problem is that some of us are just too stubborn to allow him to be in control. We're comfortable surrounding ourselves with Christians so we don't have to worry about uh, messing up other people. We're so worried that we're going to do something wrong and then they're going to fail because of us. Well, don't do anything wrong. There you go. See how easy that was? Just, it's not about being perfect. We only have to be a witness to the things that he's done in us. When someone comes to you, you tell them about Jesus and they're like, I don't know if I believe all that. Like, how can you believe? This is how I know for sure that God is real. I was blind and now I see. I was dead and now I'm alive. I was, I was lonely and now I feel this supernatural peace that I cannot even put into words for you. You will not see it until you dive in. But he is real and he wants to have a relationship with you as well. We have to say yes to what the Holy Spirit wants to do and what he wants to do in our lives. And when we say yes, he will show you the opportunity. The opportunity will make itself instantly known to you because every one of us has opportunities in front of us. I want to show you, I've used this example before, but if I ask you to describe this, 
Many of you are going to say it's half full. And we call someone that says it's half full as an optimist. If, I say, if you say it's half empty, then, oh, you're a pessimist. Some of you try to be tricky. You're like, it's halfway. What's wrong with you? If this is us, let me tell you what a disciple does. A disciple is half spent. A disciple is half empty. A disciple is continually pouring out. So it's hard to keep a disciple full. Though as they're pouring out, they're, they're learning to be refilled. A disciple, when a disciple sees this, a disciple doesn't say it's half full or half empty. A disciple says, who's thirsty? A disciple looks out and says, how can I use all of my resources that God has given me to serve the people around me? Because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to draw people into a relationship with Jesus. And as you pour out, as you serve, as you get, get rid of the things that you have, I'm not going to pour it out. As you, you will be filled up with fresh and new living water. And it will be fresh and new because today you're going to pour out. And at the end of the day, when you pour out that last little drop, you're going to be refilled again and refilled again and refilled again and refilled again. And the more you can pour yourself out in service to God and his kingdom, the more you're going to be refilled in that new and fresh revelation, that new and fresh living water is so, so good. You will pour out so much that you take your hands away from the wheel because your hands are busy doing ministry. You're not worried about making sure you're in control because you're worried about making sure he's in control so that you can do the thing he's called you and equipped you and given you power to do because he is good and we trust him. That's the kind of church we are, right? That we understand that opportunities are everywhere for us and we want to be people that are going out and serving and loving and looking for who is thirsty because I'm here to tell you about the living water. If you, will, if you will seek him, you will never thirst again. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much uh, that you continue to pour your spirit out on us. We know that we are unworthy apart from you. So what we want to do is we want to be a, a group of people who are welcoming and loving to the outsiders, that we are people that, that are laying down every part of our lives in order to serve you and to serve your kingdom and to draw people into this relationship with you that changes everything. Lord, where we grab a hold of the wheel and, and retake control, we repent for that. We want you to be in control. We want our hands to be busy doing ministry. We thank you, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys.